Welcome to Greensburg Baptist Church. We welcome our church family and also our visiting friends. Thank you for coming to worship with us. To find out more about Greensburg Baptist Church, our upcoming events, and other church activities, visit our website anytime at greensburgbaptist.com. The people of Judah, the southern kingdom, find themselves in a difficult predicament. They have relied upon Egypt and... They shall soon find that Egypt is, as God or the prophet Isaiah declared, um, through, as God declared through the prophet Isaiah, that it is a literally a splintering reed that they were going to lean upon. And all who hoped in Egypt would soon find that those hopes were dashed. So being the wise um, people that they were, not only did they work with Egypt to try to to signify some kind of deal. They were paying tribute to the people of Assyria to kind of pay them off, buy them off, to keep them off their lawn. But unfortunately, Assyria, that wasn't necessarily enough, and they just keep trucking forward. And so today's text kind of lands where the reality is Egypt's not going to help, and Assyria can't be bought off, and Assyria is now standing on their front yard, in their front yard. And the people of Judah have to figure out what they're going to do, and The prophet Isaiah is going to begin to speak to them, to encourage them, and to remind them of this need of the Lord to be gracious. I don't know how much interaction you have with grace, but I had an interaction this week with one of my kiddos, and uh, we were having a brief conversation yesterday about some disciplinary action that was taking place, and I was informed that I haven't shown much grace recently. In fact, I haven't shown grace since school started, and um, yeah, some of you are laughing, you hear it, right? And... um, and so we had this this conversation about the importance of grace, and I was reminded that we all desperately want grace, even if we acknowledge it in the moment. And I don't know where maybe you come to today, maybe what situation or season of life it finds you, but my assumption is whether you are acknowledging it right now or not, you're in desperate need of grace. And the people of Judah remind us of that, of just this realization that we can't change the situation you can't make those people get off your yard. You can't make the, the, the collection letters stop coming. You can't change the diagnosis. You can't stop the upcoming treatment. You can't necessarily heal this relationship issue. You're not sure what's going to happen. If it was that awkward at Thanksgiving, what's it going to look like now at Christmas? I mean, you're facing some real challenges. And today I'm going to compel you just to be like the people of Judah and call out, Lord, be gracious to us. Lord, please be gracious to us. So let's pick up with you, Wood, maybe seven things today that we're going to see about this appeal for God be gracious. First, God, be gracious because our enemies are just too much. You ever been there? Like your enemy is just too much. Listen to what they're facing. All you destroyer. The destroyer is the word that's being used for the, 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 the Assyrian army that's a, coming now toward the people of Judah, toward Jerusalem. Ah, you destroyer, who yourself have not been destroyed. You traitor, whom none has betrayed. says, listen, Assyria, things have gone really well with you so far. But listen to what he says here. God's going to change things. When you have ceased to destroy, you will be destroyed. And when you have finished betraying, they will betray you. And so as, again, they're still marching, but God's telling his people, listen, there's going to come a time when this enemy is no longer going to rule over, right? The nations, they're no longer, Assyria is going to hear, right? The chain is going to be pulled back on them. They're only going to come so far. You ever been those moments like as a kid, you're, you're running by or you're riding a bike or you were doing something like, and that dog comes trucking after you're like, man, this is going to be bad, 
right? And all of a sudden, by that time, finally, that chain snags, right? And they're just like that dog whiplashes back. And you're like, thank you, Lord, right? I mean, the, listen, they're saying, listen, Assyria is on the chain. The Lord's going to say, and someday it's coming. He's going to say, listen, that's far enough. But here's what's tough about that. Listen to verse 2, this offer of a, this is a prayer to God. Oh, Lord, be gracious to us. And some translations render it for we what? We wait for you. That's what's often hard in the moments of calling out for God's grace is the fact that you have to wait for him. And that dog keeps trucking. And you're wondering, how long is the leash on this thing, God? Like, when will this snowball? Like, I told Emily, I feel like sometimes with school, like, it's just like it's like a snowball chasing me, right? And you ever feel like that? Sometimes you just, like, get caught up in it. Like, you're just going down the hill faster and faster, right? It says, oh, Lord, be gracious to us. We wait for you. And that's what's hard at times is that we want God to take this magic wand. And God, if you'll just fix this situation, God, if you would just heal it already, But often God doesn't do it when we want or how we want. But still the people nonetheless are appealing, God, be gracious to us. We can't fix this situation. We can't change it. So God, we are waiting to you. God, our eyes are fixed. As the psalmist says, we fix our eyes, set our eyes on the hills, right? Where does our help come from? Our help comes from who? The Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Like God, I'm looking to you because there's nothing else that can change this. Lord, we are waiting for you. Look what it says here. This is interesting. Be our arm, what? Every morning. Our salvation in the time of trouble. It's a reminder, we need, we need grace consistently. Ongoing. These people, listen, they were in a condition where it was literally, Lord, give us our daily what? Our daily bread. Like, God, we need it desperately. Like, day after day, moment after moment, God, we are in desperate need of ongoing grace. It says, listen, I want you to know that, that God is here. And sometimes, listen, I mean, it's troubling, right? Because in times of trouble, it appears that our enemy just keeps coming, right? I mean, the letters keep coming. The relationship, instead of getting better, gets worse, right? The bully at school doesn't stop bullying your kid. It just seems to get worse. I mean, there's just moments in time when it is challenging. And I want to remind you, though, whether you're in a season of trouble right now, or maybe you're not, you're still in desperate need of grace. Maybe it's like this, and I don't know if this illustration makes sense, but it kind of came to my mind as I was thinking about this, is... If you were in outer space right now, my assumption is you would realize your desperate need of oxygen, wouldn't you? But the reality is in outer space, your need of oxygen isn't any greater than it is here now. Just the access to that oxygen, something's changed. But the reality is you are in desperate need at this very moment of oxygen. You just by God's grace are here on the earth and so you can draw oxygen in as you breathe in. But the reality is if you were in outer space, you would need some type of suit, right, to protect you, to to provide that oxygen supply. The reality is whether you're in a time of trouble in your life or not, you're just as in desperate need of this grace. You're in need of God's kindness. So listen, no matter where this lands in your life currently, realize that God's grace is what you need. So be gracious because our enemies are too much. Secondly, they appeal to God to be gracious because why? God is their stability. Listen to what it says in verse 5. The Lord is exalted for He dwells on high. He will fill Zion with justice and righteousness and He will be, now this, this is pivotal, He will be what? The stability of your times. My assumption is in a crowd this size, there are many of you that are in desperate need of some Stability. Some steadiness to your boat. I mean, like the waves are crashing, 
things are a mess. You're not sure, right? I mean, maybe like some of you are like, you're going to provide some stuff for your kids or your family member who are for Christmas, but you're not sure when the bill comes due in January, how in the world you're ever even going to pay that, right? I mean, like you're in some real times right now. And listen, again, Egypt is not going to help. Assyria is marching toward Jerusalem. These folks are facing some real times. And, and Isaiah has the audacity to say, listen, guys, just hope in God. He will be your stability. And the reality is that doesn't make much sense. Right? I mean, like the wise thing would be like to cut and run, to, to jet on that relationship that you're in, or, or to make some shady deals. You're going to hear a little bit more about that. But listen, he says, listen, guys, I want you to know that God will be the stability of your times. Maybe you're thinking, if I just had some type of bargaining chip, then I could earn God's favor. And the reminder is, the only thing that ever earns God's favor is the death of His Son. That's the only thing that pleases God. Perfect righteousness. And the Son has done that on your behalf. And so, if you desire to please God, if you desire maybe, I wish I would have God in my corner, so to speak, I want you to know that the only way to get right with God is to get right with His Son. Is to acknowledge your need of Him, your need of forgiveness, your need of grace. He says, listen, guys, I want you to know that even though things are unstable, God will be your stability. And look what else he says to them. He's the abundance of salvation. You need a wisdom. Maybe you have a situation where you just need some wisdom. You're not even sure what to do. Like you just need some knowledge. Like, God, I'm not even sure. Listen, he says, guys, I want you to know God will be your wisdom. God will be your knowledge. If you will look to Him and you will rely upon Him and not the things of the world. Listen, I want you to know, He will give you the wisdom you need. And it says the fear of the Lord is Zion's treasure. God is going to be their peace. He's going to provide for them what no one else could. So they're appealing, God, be gracious. Why? Because you alone are our stability. Right? I can't change this situation, but God, I know if I hope and trust in you, that you will be sufficient. Thirdly, be gracious, God, because why? Well, because we are weak and you are strong. Listen to what happens here. The situation is kind of further unfolding, right? Isaiah's beginning to tell us more about what's happening right now. The current setting of, of what's happening in Jerusalem, the people of Judah. He says, behold, they're heroes. These are the warriors. These are the toughest men in the city, right? These are the ones who lead. These are the ones who are out front. These are the guys who lay down their life. These are the ones who are protecting them. Look what it says. Even the heroes are what? They're crying in the streets. They're crying in the streets. The envoys of peace weep bitterly. The highways lie waste. The traveler ceases. Covenants are broken. Again, talking about Egypt and Assyria and the 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 different agreements they had, man, things are falling apart, right? Cities are despised and there's no regard for man. The land mourns and languishes. They're acknowledging that everything we tried in our own strength has now failed. Right? I mean, even the warriors, there's no way we can stand against this ruthless Assyrian army that's coming in. Right? We don't have the strength for that. I mean, some of you, like, you're there, like, what happens when the court summons shows up? Even the toughest people can become weak in those moments. Maybe like some of you thought like something was taken care of or you had a deal. Maybe something you thought was once hidden. But that person now is refusing to be quiet or that thing just keeps kind of showing back up. I mean, listen, they had some covenants that were broken, some things they thought were handled, things they thought were good. But now the situation has come. The reality is they're weak. And Isaiah wants to say to them, guys, I know that you're weak. But listen to this. Verse 10. 
Now I will arise, says the Lord. Now I will lift myself up. Now I will be exalted. God says, listen, I've allowed your situation to come to the place where it is so I could show that I am strong and you're weak. And the good news is that if you would put your faith, your trust, your hope in me, what you will come to know and experience is this, that my power is made perfect, what? In your weakness. That's the Apostle Paul there in 2 Corinthians 12 as he talks about what he has in Christ. And he says, listen, I want you to know that God's power is perfect in your weakness. So maybe today, rather than looking at your weakness as your, your biggest um, hurdle to get over, maybe you would say, my weakness is in fact God's grace unto me to help me realize I can't figure this out. Like, I'm not strong enough. Like, I can't heal this family situation. I can't change my finances overnight. Like, I can't solve this. I can't overcome that addiction on my own. I can't rescue myself out of this way of life. The reality is our weaknesses leaves us even as heroes crying in the streets. And I compel you, beloved, cry out to God. God, be gracious to us. I know I don't deserve it. God, I know I don't earn it. I've not been good enough to keep it. I'm Completely, God, reliant upon your grace. Fourthly, they appeal to God's grace. Be gracious because no one can stand before you. Verse 13 of Isaiah 33 records, Hear you who are far off what I have done, and you who are near acknowledge my might. The sinners in Zion are afraid, right? There's fear that's now struck them. Trembling has seized the godless. So there's trembling, there's fear. Why? Listen to this question. Who among us can dwell with the consuming fire? Who among us can dwell with everlasting burnings? They have a major problem, the people of Judah do. God is holy and they are not. And the truth is we all have that same very issue. And the reality is, as they look at their life, they realize, man, our lives don't look and reflect much of this God who we follow and worship. And the truth is, listen, we are all in this moment desperately in need of God's grace. Right? I mean, they're there. There's fear. There's trembling. Like, so what happens when I die? Right? Like, what happens when I stand before this holy God? Like, what's his expectation going to be of me? What's he going to desire of me? What's he going to demand from me? And the truth is, the Bible says perfection absolute perfection is what God's going to demand of you on that day. And the truth is, none of us here have met that. None of us here have been good enough. And the good news is that this is a gracious God who desires that you would be with Him. And therefore, beloved, this is your hope. This is your candle that's burning. Got to be careful, right? It'd be bad if it goes out right now. That would totally ruin that illustration. Do you see why the people of Judah had a hope while they were hearing the prophet Isaiah some 600 B.C. speak about this coming Savior, the suffering servant who would, the Lord would lay on him the iniquity of us all? They're hearing these words about the prophet saying that the people in darkness who have seen a great light on them has the, the light shone. These people who are saying there's going to come one who is going to be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, and of the rule of His peace and of His government there shall be no what? No end. Can you see how they were clamoring? Where is he and when will he be here? You had the privilege of looking back now some 2,000 years and saying that is indeed the Messiah, the Christ. And he's the only answer 
to the question, who among us can dwell with a consuming fire? Because the reality is none of us can. But because of God's grace and His Son that took upon your sin, you can be free, beloved. For if the Son has set you free, you are what? You are free indeed. You can be free today from everything you've ever done. Everything you've ever thought. Every wicked action you've ever committed. You can be completely free. And you can stand in the presence of this holy God forever. Because of His Son, Jesus. And I think this... This grace moves us somewhere. Listen to the fifth thing. God, be gracious so that we might live righteously. Listen to what he says here. Beginning in verse 15. He who walks. So again, let's context so we don't lose it, right? Who among us can dwell with the consuming fire? Verse 14. Who among us can dwell with everlasting burnings? In verse 15, picks up and says this. Here's the answer. He who walks righteously. The walking indicates a lifestyle, right? There's a, a lifestyle of it. And speaks uprightly. Who despises the gain of oppressions. Who shakes his hands lest they hold a bribe. Who stops his ears from hearing of bloodshed. And shuts his eyes from looking on evil. There's a call to a holy life. Now don't hear this and assume, right? That that somehow you could live good enough that God will accept you, right? That's not at all what the prophet Isaiah is saying. In fact, he's going to answer in verse 24 and let you know clearly that only the forgiven will be with God. But there is a righteous life, right, that should identify the people of God. And Isaiah is saying that. Why? Because there were some in that day, just like in our day, that say you can just declare that you're righteous by what you say. And Isaiah is saying, listen, it's not simply what you say, it's what you do. It's what not simply what you say, it's what you do. So listen to this. Maybe some things here I think are very practical. He who walks, again, be gracious so that we might live righteously. Look what it says. Here's the answer of those who will walk with God. He who walks righteously. Look what it says here. He speaks uprightly. I might ask the question today, are you given to slander? Tearing other people down. Gossip? Lying? Cursing? Dirty jokes? Racial slurs? I mean, like it go on. But this person here, listen, the people of God are those that speak uprightly. They speak words of truth, right? I mean, there's there's grace and mercy that pour forth from their lips. Look further, though. Look what it says here. Who despise the gain of oppression. Right? They just say, listen, our only care is not money. That's what he's saying here. Listen, those who despise the gain of oppression, they want to get rich any way they can. God says, that's not to be the way with my people. Further, thirdly, look what he says here. Who shakes his hands lest they hold a bribe. Right? He says, listen, the reality is, here's the truth. You might be able to make that bribe or that deal in the back, but God sees what's hidden in the darkness. He says, listen, their hands are shaking. Why? Because they can't take that money. They can't make that deal. They can't do that. Why? Because they realize there's a God who sees, even if no one else sees. There's a God who knows, even if we take advantage of the poor or the weak. Those that, listen, I, I'm part of my class right now, I'm reading a book, and it's, it's called Paul and the Gift. And it's dealing a lot with how do we understand gifts and how would Paul have understood gifts. And here's one of the things that was huge for, for the Greeks and the Romans, right? The world in which Jesus lived, Paul lived. Here was one of some of their biggest advice. Don't help out the poor because they can never repay you. Don't help the poor because they can't repay you. And it says, listen, they may give you some gratitude, but who wants gratitude from them anyway? And it says in the midst of that, there was this Jewish culture that had this law that was calling them to help the poor. But it was not only simply their law. It was this God that they had, this God who had loved them when they had nothing they could give back to him. 
There was this God who loved them even though they had, had nothing that they could bring that might somehow give him like greater status. He says, listen, this gift of God, this grace of God was moving God's people to live differently than the rest of the culture. God's gift of grace to them was moving their hearts. So he says, listen, they despise the gain of oppression. It's not about money. Who shakes his hands lest they hold a bribe. Look at it says here. I think the fourth thing. Who stops his ears from hearing of bloodshed. Right? There was no agreement for taking out of the people, right? Physically taking life. But we might make some application here, right? I mean, do you often spend time listening to other people being torn down? Some of you, it may mean the talk radio that you listen to. It's just constantly a culture of negativity and, and, and not honoring God's word. And you're listening to things. Some of you need to stop your ears from the music that you're listening to. The things that you're hearing constantly right now. I mean, let's just be honest. Would you be at all nervous if we went right now and turned the car radio on or your iPod on or, or your, your phone on? Whatever your recent playlist is. What if we just threw it up here? Would you squirm a little? He says, stop your ears from hearing of bloodshed. Stop your ears from hearing of things on God. Look further. This is tough. Listen. Talking about those who are going to dwell with God. Listen, there has to be a holy life. And shuts his eyes from looking on evil. We'll be nervous this past week if we showed what you watched on your television or what we watched on your iPad or on your phone. Some of you, listen, this, this has got to move you. You're going to have to own up maybe to some... Some struggles with pornography to a spouse or some of you as kiddos, maybe it's time to have a conversation with your parents or someone that you can trust to say, listen, it's gotten out of control. And so listen, my point is, again, that I think when we hear all of this, we start to realize, oh, God, be gracious to us. Is there any here that don't struggle with their tongue? Is there any of you here that have not just been given to listen to gossip or slander and not responded to it? Is there any here that not looked on something wicked recently, seen something you know that didn't honor the God? And maybe you were enticed just to keep going further? Any here ever not struggle with being consumed by money or the pleasures and things of this world? All of us, listen, if it's just those that make it into heaven, we realize these people here are also in desperate need of grace. We all are in desperate need of grace. And Isaiah is making clear to them, grace will transform us. So it's not just simply saying, God, I'm sorry. It's saying, God, change me. God, would you transform me? Number six, be gracious so that we can dwell with you forever. The tenor of Isaiah's message here changes from verses 16 to the close of chapter at verse 24. And he begins to offer hope of what's coming Right. This hope of what's coming. There's something beyond. Right. I mean, we have hope, right, that Christ has come and we're looking for. But there's also a hope, the fact that he's going to come again, that there's another kingdom. And and so Isaiah begins to pull back the scroll or, or pull back the curtain for us to be able to see more clearly what is coming with this other kingdom. Look what he says here. He will dwell on the heights, which is interesting because in verse five, that's where God dwells. He will dwell on the heights. His place of defense will be the fortress of rocks. His bread will be given him. His water will be sure. Your eyes will behold the king in his beauty. Listen to that again. Your eyes will behold the king in his beauty. Right? We think about beauty. We often think he's hot or she's hot or whatever. Right? And 
Listen to what the prophet Isaiah says later in this same book, Isaiah 53, beginning verse 2, that he speaks of Jesus, this coming servant, says he had no form or majesty to attract us to him. He had no beauty that we should desire him. Now, is, is Isaiah trying to tell us that Jesus wouldn't made Cosmos top 100? I'm not sure that's exactly what Isaiah is trying to tell us. Why? Because in Isaiah 52 and 14, it says that when Jesus went to the cross, his appearance was marred beyond human recognition. That there's no beauty in this coming king, right? I mean, like, in regards to earthly things. Right? I mean, this king says, love your neighbor as yourself. This king says to love your enemies and pray with those who persecute you. Pray for those who persecute you. This enemy says, listen, to wash the feet of enemies and betrayers. This enemy says to give all of your possessions and then come follow. Or this, this, this king of beauty says, listen, give all your possessions and then come follow me. I mean, this king of beauty, listen, from an earthly perspective, he doesn't appear very beautiful. He doesn't appear like if you follow him, that's not how to get ahead. That's how you get walked over, stepped over, passed over in this life. And that's why Jesus constantly whispers to us, my kingdom is not of this world. My kingdom is not of this world. So listen, it says, your eyes will behold the king and his beauty. What beauty? Perfect love, perfect kindness, perfect joy, perfect peace. You say, Blake, great, that's awesome. But what's that got necessarily to do with me? 1 John 3 says that when we see Him, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. His beauty, listen, you're going to reflect that beauty. Perfect love, perfect joy, perfect peace. And listen, the Spirit of God has come that you could begin living that way now. Your eyes will behold the King in His beauty. Look what He says further, verse 17. They will see a land that stretches afar. There is coming a new land, a new creation a new earth, a new heaven. It says, your heart will muse on the terror. Where is he who counted? Where is he who weighed the tribute? Where is he who counted the towers? Further, look at me, verse 19. You will see no more the insolent people, the people of an obscure speech that you cannot comprehend, stammering in a tongue that you cannot understand. He says, listen, your enemies will be gone. The kingdom that Jesus has come to bring you to, there will be no more enemies there. None. Those that you fear, those who mock you, those who mistreat you, those who have stepped over your children or grandchildren. I mean, I don't know what it is for you. He says, listen, I want you to know the enemies will be gone. Look further, verse 20. Behold, Zion, the city of our appointed feast. Your eyes will see Jerusalem, an untroubled habitation, an immovable. Look what he says about it. It's an immovable tent whose stakes will never be plucked up, nor will any of its cords be broken. Right early in the days of Israel, they were a nomadic people. They traveled, right? And the tent was symbolic there of God's presence among them. And God's saying, listen, I want you to know that what's coming with my kingdom is a place that will be permanent forever. For some of us, let's be honest, that maybe doesn't click or register very much. But my assumption is, is if you spent much time with, with some in our ministry here, that God allows to come here, you would know how transient their life is right here in Greensburg, Kentucky. You would know how often it's from one house to this house to this house. I wonder what it might be like to them to tell them, listen, you're going to have a home. We don't have to move anymore. It's going to be permanent. Like your address, you won't have to wonder, like, I don't know what my address is. Why? Because we're constantly on the move. I want you to know that your address will forever be heaven. It'll be permanent. 
Like for some of us, that doesn't mean much, but I'm telling you, if you're involved in ministry here, for some of them, that would mean everything. And for some of you, listen, again, I'm just going to just keep banging that drum. Could you not like do that forever, like for some kiddos with adoption or fostering? I mean, I, I realize uh, I wish we could do, right? I mean, for everyone, but maybe you could do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. Maybe you would start with just one, bringing them in your home, that they would have a permanent address and it would be yours. They would have a consistent bed and it would be yours. They would have consistent food and it would be your pantry. They would have a consistent fridge full of food and it would be your fridge. Let's not hear this word and say, thank you, God, that you're gracious to me, but I'm not going to be gracious to anyone else. That is not the love of Jesus Christ, beloved. That is not the mark of this church. There's going to come an immovable tent. Man, it's it's forever. It's permanent. Seventh and last. Be gracious to us, God. Why? Because you are faithful. Listen to what he says. And time's here. So I'm going to move quickly. But for the Lord is our judge. The Lord is our lawgiver. The Lord is our king. There's a God who's your judge, who's your lawgiver, a God who sees perfectly what's in the darkness and in your heart. He knows it perfectly and he alone can declare you innocent. Right. I mean, there's let's be honest. The fact that God sees our hearts should terrify all of us here today. But here's the good news about that. Because God sees our heart, there's nothing that he's missed in the judgment of his son. When Jesus died on the cross, listen, he died for all of your sin, not some of it. Like, you don't have to worry, like, God, if I stand before you on that day, is somebody going to play like a TMZ video of me back in the past and bring something up that's going to be like, oh, dude, you're done. Sorry, Jesus didn't die for that. No, God, listen, he sees your heart. He knows everything you've ever thought, you've ever saw, you've ever said, you've ever done, you've ever touched. Every motive. And Christ willingly died for it on the cross. And he declared on that cross, it is what? It is finished. It is finished. So the fact that this God is our judge and our lawgiver, yes, he knows everything perfectly, but his son fully met the law for you and he died on the cross for you. And listen what he says here. This is beautiful. He will save us. Remember back in verse two, that was part of their cry. Oh, Lord, be gracious to us. We wait for you. Be our arm every morning. Our salvation in the time of trouble. Right. You've wondered, can this God actually save me? And the truth is, yes, this God will save you further. Let's close with verse 24. And no inhabitant will say, I am sick. The people who dwell there will be what? Look what it says about them. What will they be? Those that dwell there will be what? Forgiven of their iniquity, forgiven of their sin. So who's going to dwell there? Only the forgiven will. Only the forgiven will dwell there. That's it. He says, listen, no one else will dwell there. There, No one else will be perfect enough. No one else will be good enough. We must be forgiven. That's your only hope. There's no other option. And here's the beautiful thing. Look what he says. Kind of pull this out just for a moment. And no inhabitant will say, I am what? I'm sick. Can you imagine that? A place that you could live forever, there'd be no more sickness. Why? Well, what's the result? What's sickness a result of? Well, look back. Just follow back. Sin came. The wages of sin is what? Death, right? Death brought in. So death brings in sickness. And listen, part of that is the reality. Why sickness come? Well, we live in a world that's under the curse. God's judgment on the world of sin. But listen, Christ came. Christ lived a sinless life. Christ died on the cross. Christ took the curse. He paid with it in full by his perfect life. 
And so listen, it has been paid and satisfied. The judgment of God is satisfied. So therefore, in that place, for those who have been forgiven and come under the blood of Christ, there will be no sickness there. Why? Because there is no death. There is no pain. There is no enemy. It's just permanent, perfect love forever. And that moves the people of Isaiah 33 to say, Oh Lord, be gracious to us. 1915, William Poole writes these words as I close. I shall see the king where the angels sing. I shall see the king someday in the better land on the golden strand and with him shall ever stay. In his glory I shall see the king and forever endless praises sing. Twas on Calvary Jesus died for me. I shall see the king someday. I shall sing the king all my tributes bring and shall look upon his face. Then my song shall be how he ransomed me and has kept me by his grace. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you that none of you have saved us by grace, but God, you keep us by grace. Thank you that one day soon, God, we shall see the king. We should behold his beauty. As your word says, the beauty of him and not of another, my eyes shall see him. Father, thank you for Christ's victory. Over sin. Thank you for Christ overcoming the curse by becoming a curse for us. Thank you that Christ has paid the penalty for my sin. He's taken the judgment of God. He took the wrath of God. He rescues us now from it because he's already paid it. Father, all of our hope is in Christ. So, Father, that candle, Lord, I pray it's not simply burning on our stage, but it's burning in our hearts this morning. God, you alone are our hope. And so, Father, I pray today that you would give us a desire to seek you and to please you. Father, I thank you that although my own words and attempts are feeble, your word is forever true. Your Christ, your son, is forever perfect. And the spirit is forever powerful. Father, today, for those here who acknowledge their need of grace, not only just as unbelievers, those who need to come and confess their need of Christ as Savior, but even as the people of God today, Lord, we come back to the righteous way of life by just starting first with your grace. Claiming that forgiveness, the kindness of a Savior. Father, thank you that one day we shall see the King. In his name I pray. Amen. This is Todd Young with Greensburg Baptist Church. Thank you for joining us today. If you've accepted Christ during today's podcast, we would love to hear from you and connect you with a home church in your area. Or if you have questions regarding a relationship with Christ, Brother Blake and I would love to speak with you. Please contact us at the church office at 270-932-4495 or connect with us through our website at greensburgbaptist.com. In addition, you may visit our website anytime to access the sermon videos and podcast of any recent sermon. You may also subscribe to our podcast in the iTunes store. Have a great day today.